Isn't it wonderful to be in the house of the Lord? This is the best place to be on a Sunday morning, is to be in his house. And, you know, I've loved this series about his presence, and I just feel so honored that I get to wrap it up with the last message. And I'm so excited about this message, because I'm going to teach you today about how to live daily in his presence. It's an awesome thing to feel his presence here, but to have his presence as we walk out there all day, every day, is truly an amazing thing. And I, my hope and my prayer this morning is that you will leave this place with a burning desire on the inside to truly live in his presence every day. Now Psalm 1611 is just a little description of what life is like when we live in God's presence. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. I say, what a treasure we have as God's children, Lord, to be able to walk in the presence of an almighty God. Because that's where we experience, in His presence, that's where we experience true joy. Now, if this kind of seems foreign to you, and you've never really felt in that before in your life. You've never walked it out in your life on your day-to-day living, haven't really felt His presence. Oh, I'm telling you, the wonderful pleasures that are ahead for you to experience if you would just listen this morning and dig in. Because, And those of you that have walked in the presence of God through your, through your week, I'm telling you, you have only just begun because the pleasures and the joys, the things that God has for us are, are just beyond description. There is no limit to what He wants to do. There's no limit to that presence of Him walking with you throughout your day. I tell you, there's absolutely nothing, nothing like it. Nothing compares to the presence of God. This is why heaven is so great. Because when we get there, see, we just get a little bit of His presence here. But when we get there, we'll get to enjoy the fullness of His presence. It says in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, God created you for His pleasure. Think about that. You think, me? Yes. God created you for his pleasure. And he created you to have fellowship with you. He wants to spend time with you. All of your time. He wants all of your time. He wants to spend it with you. You know, that's the way it was from the very beginning in the garden. When God, the Bible tells us that God came down in the cool of the day. And he did not come down in the cool of the day to fellowship with the animals that he had made. He came down to fellowship with Adam and Eve. That's what, and he, that, that was an awesome time for them. But unfortunately, sin entered our world, and that fellowship was broken. So Jesus came, didn't he? He came and paid the price so that he could restore that relationship between God and man. So that, that, that re- relationship has been restored. If you are a believer and you are a Christian, you can fellowship with the Lord. There's a basic truth in the Word of God that says God made us for himself. He made you for himself. He made you that you might know him, live with him, and enjoy him forever. 
Oh, how awesome that is. See, Psalm 16 and 11, let's go back to that. You will show me the path of life in your presence is, is fullness of joy. And look at this last phrase here. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That shows me that our God wants to be close to us. He wants to be so very close to us. I tell you, if you're standing next to someone and they're right here at your right side, that's pretty close. I love my husband. I love spending time with him. But let's say one day he comes and he just stands right here at my right side all day. Everything I did, I'm going to the kitchen, I'm going to the store, everything. He's right here at my side all day long. And let's suppose that I just totally ignore him like he's not even there. He speaks, but I don't listen. How do you think that would make him feel? I think it would make him feel, I think he'd be offended, upset him. He might even get angry with me. You know what? We do that to the Lord because he is right there with us and we ignore him. Let's don't ignore the Lord. We do not need to ignore our God. Hebrews 13, 5 says, For he himself has said, this is what the Lord has said to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's an awesomely great promise. He says he'll never leave us, so he's always there. We must not ignore the Lord, and we don't need to forget about him either. Often we get so busy with our lives that we just forget about God for long periods of time. Here's a sad scripture. I think one of the saddest scriptures in the Word of God, and that's in Jeremiah 2, 32, when the Lord says, My people have forgotten me days without number. Wow. I don't want the Lord to ever say, Carmen has forgotten me days without number. You know, I know there have been times and many days when, when I, would, I get to the end of my day and I think, oh man, I didn't think about the Lord all day. And if I hadn't, it would have been so much better. We tend to do that. We get so busy. We need to not forget about the Lord. Psalm 139, verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. See, the scriptures tell us that the presence of God is absolutely everywhere, whether you recognize it or not. He is there. There's a story in Genesis chapter 28 about Jacob. Jacob had a brother, Esau, and Jacob had mistreated his brother and deceived him. And so... That So Jacob, in fact, Jacob's brother Esau was so angry with him, he wanted to kill him. So Jacob is fleeing. He's running from his brother. And on his journey away from his brother, one night he lays down to sleep. And as he is sleeping, God speaks to him in a dream and tells him all about his future. And then Jacob wakes up, and this is what he says in Genesis, in Genesis 28, verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely... The Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. So he was there, and he didn't know it. The Lord is always with, with us, but much of the time, we're just, we are just not aware of it. See, look at this Jacob. He had done his brother wrong. He was not doing right by his brother. But did God leave him? No, he was there. And sometimes I think that we have this attitude that if we have sinned or we know we just aren't doing quite right, that God won't be with us. That is not true. He is always there. He is always with you. God is everywhere. But then there are some times when God makes himself known. There's that presence of God everywhere. Then there's that presence of God where he makes himself known to us in a special way. You know, I've seen this happen in my life. You know, I have a routine. When I get up every morning, the first thing I do 
is I go and I have my devotion time with the Lord. I have my cup of coffee, actually about three cups of, or four cups of coffee <laughs> during my devotion time. But, you know, I have my devotion books and I have my Bible and I'm studying, I'm reading. And I, all the times with the Lord are just, they're so good. In fact, that's my absolute favorite, best part of the whole entire day. It doesn't matter what's coming up, nothing. Nothing trumps being with my God. At that time, my devotion is so awesome. It's so good. Okay, so when, after I finish that, my, the next thing I do is I exercise. I have my exercise routine. I do it every day except Sundays. Yay, Sunday's the day off. So I go upstairs to my workout room. And when I go up there, um, I like to play praise and worship music while I'm working out. You know, I'm not doing anything spiritual. I'm working out with my weights. But I have the worship music going, and I'm thinking about the Lord as I'm, going, as I'm doing this. Because his presence is still with me, right? Because his presence is everywhere we go. Right. Some days, though, while I'm doing that, the presence of God has been so strong and it hits me. I fall to my knees and weep because he makes himself manifest to me. It could be the time when he, he just let me know so, so much that it's going to be okay. Or something I've been praying about. Or it lets me know how much he loves me. And, and it, it's not, let's say I'm not doing anything spiritual, but I'm, I'm letting my mind be aware that the presence of God is here. I'm aware of him as I pray and I sing those worship songs as I can while I'm doing my workout. But God is there. He's there. Those are awesome times when that happens. And this is really scriptural because it says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, I was drawing near to God, just listening to worship music and thinking about him. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. See, the key to experiencing the presence of God in your everyday life is to simply just be thinking to turn your thoughts and think about him and include him in your day. We don't want to forget him. We don't want to ignore him. We just, just, you need to realize it's not hard. It's just simply thinking about God will help you be aware of his presence that he is with you. You know, those times when I fell on my knees and when I'd been working out and the presence of God was so strong, that would not have happened if my mind hadn't been on the Lord. Because, you know, when you work out, there's lots of things you can think about. I hate this. I'm so tired. I've got so much to do. How do I have time to do this? I need to hit the ground running and do something else. You know, you can be thinking about all kinds of things. But I chose to think about do that praise and worship music and, and provided the opportunity for the manifest present, for God to, to, to just make himself known to me. I remember one time I was driving my car just down the freeway, and I was playing worship music, and I was singing along, and... I became so overwhelmed with the love of God. It was just thick in the car. And I thought, I'm just going to, I'm going to pull over and stop. And I'm just weeping. And I just, it was so, I felt, I wasn't weeping because I was sad. I was weeping because I was just overwhelmed with, with his love and his, and I was so happy. And, and I just, I just got to pull over. I just can't, you know, I'm going to have a wreck if I did. It was just so strong. And I remember another time, it was years ago when, when, uh, we were, we were in Medill, Oklahoma. We were pastoring a little church in Medill, Oklahoma. And I was cleaning the bathrooms. I was in the bathrooms at the church. I was cleaning them. Nobody else was at the building, but I was there. I was in there cleaning the bathrooms. And while I was doing that, I was just singing and praying as I was going, you know, just while I was doing the bathrooms. And then all of a sudden, the presence of God hit me so strong. I tell you, I had to stop cleaning, and I just danced all around the bathroom. 
<laughs> so it's really crazy. I have never done that since. It's never happened before. But, you know, what was I doing? I was cleaning bathrooms, but I was keeping mine. I was thinking, you know, singing, worship the Lord and praying. And, and he just did that for me. It was just so, wow, you know, this is good. You know, I tell you, the best place to be, the, to be in God's presence is the best place to be no matter what you are doing. You know, Moses was a man who was commissioned by God to lead the nation of Israel. I mean, he had a huge responsibility. He was a great, one of the greatest leaders we read about in the Bible. But this is what Moses said, even, even though he, had, he was such a great leader. This is what he said to the Lord in Exodus 33, verse 15. And then, he, then Moses said to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. See, that's what makes us different from other people. If you're a Christian and you're walking in God's, it's the presence of God that follows you, that goes with you everywhere you go. But see, we need to have this attitude, the same attitude of Moses that... uh, I don't want to go anywhere, Lord, without you. I don't want to do anything without you. I must have. I must have your presence all through my day in everything that I do. I pray that I, let this be a prayer that you have that, Lord, I don't want to go. Pray that. Lord, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want anything without you today. That's a good way to start your day. I tell you, from the time you wake up, to put your head on the pillow at night, you can be aware of the presence of God that he is with you. You can, and I'll tell you, when you spend your days with the Lord, everything is better, whatever you are doing. It's, it says in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. It says in Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So see, that's a, this is biblically sound. We, we need to be aware of the presence of God all through our day. But let me ask you this. How, here's the thought, I know it's coming to some of y'all. How can you be spiritually minded, set our mind on things, on things above, and do the natural things that must be done? Like, how can you do your schoolwork? How can you do your housework? How can you do your job and focus on things that have nothing to do with spiritual things? How can you do that and still be in God's presence? Well, I tell you, God created us with these natural physical bodies. He's the one that did that. And he, there are th- natural things that we must do. We have to eat. <laughs> we need to sleep. We work. We get married. We have children. There are many things that we do in these natural bodies. But w- as we do these things, we do these things with God and we do them for God. Right. You see, it's all about our attitude and our commitment that the natural things we do, we do them as an offering to God. We do it as an offering to God. How do you do that? Colossians 3.17 says plainly, whatever you do, and that includes everything. I love that, whatever you do. It's everything. Whatever you do in word, what do we say? Or deed, the things that you do. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then in verse 23, again, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. 
Because she thinks common, mundane, everything they think that we do can be done as unto the Lord. So I was thinking about back when I used to teach school. I took elementary music for several years. So how can you do that and, and can't set your mind on things above and, and those kinds of things? How do you do that? Well, when I would begin, I'd go to my classroom. When I would begin, I could pray over my classroom and uh, give that to the Lord. I, and in my mind, truly, my boss was God. Now, I had a physical boss, a principal who was there, but my boss was God. And so I would begin, I did that work. I taught those little kids those little songs the best I could. I did it for God. I did it for Him. Because, you know, when you're working for Him, you're not going to skimp and cheat because you can. (laughs) You can. You can skip on some things and not do things quite so good. But if you're working for the Lord and you do all things with it, say... All things be done as heartily as unto the Lord, doing it for Him. You're dedicating and giving that to Him. That is how we dedicate our jobs as an offering to the Lord. We do them for Him and allow Him to lead and guide us all throughout our day. So if you want to live in this presence of the Almighty God all through your day and experience the most wonderful, exciting life possible that this earth can give us, then I want to share with you Six disciplines, six spiritual disciplines that you can apply to your everyday life that will make a big difference. Discipline. Nobody likes the word discipline. But we want to do these disciplines so we can have that joy in our life. We can have that pleasures forevermore in our life. So these disciplines are going to help us to be able to live in God's presence so we can experience what He wants us to in this life. So then these are simple. The first thing is... The discipline of shunning the world. When you shun something, that means you want to avoid it, you want to reject it. Because we don't want in any way do we want to act, think, or speak like the world does. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I tell you, the world is too much in us. It's too much in us. We get so taken up with the things of the world and activities and things that we do that we fail to recognize and acknowledge the presence of God with us. Hebrews 11.13 says that we are to be strangers and pilgrims. We are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. And we need that kind of mindset because, you see, this world is not our home. It is where we temporarily live in these physical bodies till we go to our real home, heaven. Heaven is our home. And we must keep that mindset because we do things down here. We're supposed to live this natural life. What we do down here in this natural life affects our eternity, our our home in heaven. So we want to live right. We want to do right. But the devil wants you to forget that. He wants you to get all taken up with, with the worldly things. Not that these, and these aren't bad things, okay? There's nothing wrong with, with some of these things. But we need to always remember Heaven is our home. I'm just a pilgrim here. I'm a foreigner in this land. But the devil wants you to forget. He wants to occupy your mind with so many other things that there's no, there's no room for God. And, and Satan has many things to distract us. And as I was thinking about that, I believe in our generation, in this day and time, the greatest distractions that we face are our electronic devices. That is TV, electronic games, internet, 
social media, and what is the big one? Phone, yes, that's a huge one. That is a great distraction. I tell you what, we are just, we are too connected to our devices. We're supposed to be connected to Jesus, not our devices. And so I I tell you what, we are addicted to our devices. When I was in high school, I was addicted to TV. Now, when I was in high school, there was no internet, there was no social media, there were no cell phones, and so, but TV was the thing. I tell you, I was addicted, and how do I know I was addicted? Because I got to the place where I was walking through my den, I had to turn it on. I just, it didn't matter, I just had to have it on. I had to watch something, and I watched way too much. But, you know, I just, there was something in me, and I knew that was wrong. I shouldn't crave the TV watching it so much. And so uh, when I graduated from high school, I was going to go to college, and I was, I was going to live in the dorms. And, and they were getting packing up and getting ready for me to move to the dorms. And Mom says, she, she said, you know, if you would like, I have this little TV you can put in your room. And, I, you know, that was, and I said, no. I said, I, I need to get away from that. And that broke my addiction. I knew if I took that TV, I wasn't going to do as good in my schoolwork. I had lots of things I need to do, and I knew I couldn't resist it. But that, those years I lived in the dorm without the TV, it broke that addiction. Now, that TV is not evil. I watch TV now. It's just, it's just, but it's something I need to do. And some of you, you are addicted to your phone or you're addicted to games. And you need to cut them out for a season to, because you want to be, you're, so, you're more connected, connected to those than you are to Jesus. And see, and that's, that's just the devil's trick. There's nothing wrong with a phone. There's nothing wrong with some of those games. Some of them I know are filthy. You don't need to play them. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with some social, all these other things. But if they have a hold on you, you need to own up to that and say, no, I want, Je- I want to be more connected to Jesus than I am to that game. That game will do nothing for you in eternity. That game is not going to help you when troubles hit your life. It's Jesus and your connection to him that's going to help you live victorious and have a great life on this earth. And, and don't be afraid. Just because you feel like, okay, I've got to lay this down for a while, that doesn't mean forever, but you don't need to take it up till you're, till you, the Lord will let you know when you can take it back up again. He'll know. I know that was kind of hard for some of you to hear. <laughs> One other real distraction that I want to just mention, and not, this is going to be real short, is we have the impulse for an entertainment and fun to the point that there's no time for God. I, I'm just, my mind just, I cannot believe People are gone all the time doing stuff. When growing up, we didn't do that. We didn't go to this event and that event and this event every weekend. You know, you're gone every weekend. Maybe you maybe you're here once a month or or once every other month because man, you got to go out of town here and you got to go out of there and you got to go here and there and here and there. And it, it pulls you away from the house of God. It is a distraction. There's nothing wrong with them, but if you allow that, it's just like the games or just like the other things. You're addicted to having to have fun. And you're leaving God out of your life. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. It's important that we shun the world and all of its distractions. Okay, number two. Here's our next discipline that's going to bring such life to you. It's a discipline of meditating the Word of God. You know, when you meditate God's Word, oh, wow, it will transform your life. It's a great discipline to have. And it'll help you live in God's presence because when you meditate the Word of God, it gets it down on the inside of you and, and helps you to think more on the things of God. Joshua 1.8 is key. The, this book of the law... Now, this is 
God is speaking to Joshua. Joshua is fixing to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land, so he needs to know what he needs to do. This is going to help him do what God has commissioned him to do. If we will do this, it will help us to do what God wants us to do at our jobs, us to do with our lives. So Joshua 1.8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It's talking about the, about the word. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So see, if you think about and meditate on the Word of God, it's going to help you live right, and it's going to help you to live in victory. You know, I'm ashamed to admit, I've known about meditation my whole Christian life, long time. But I'm ashamed to admit, I haven't started doing this until just the last few years. I finally started, you know, this meditation thing. What I did was I got me some three-by-five cards. I know y'all would probably get your phones out, but I got me a little three-by-five cards, and I would write, in my devotion time, if a scripture kind of stood out to me, I would write it on a little card. And then when I go outside to walk, I would take those cards with me, and I would meditate on that scripture as I was walking. Because, you know, I'd be walking along, and I'd take, take one or two words, the first two words of the verse, and think about those for a while, and a few more verse, and, and it, it'd take me a long time to do just one verse, but think and meditate. But what that did... I mean, I could just feel it. It was changing me inside. Because as I would meditate and think about verses that I've heard for years and years and years but never meditate on, all of a sudden it, it became the way I would think. And when you change the way you think, it changes how you speak. And when you speak differently, you're going to act differently. So meditation, oh, it is an awesome thing. And I, you know what I found out? I was a happier person. I just became a happier person. It was really, it's a great thing to meditate God's Word. It says in John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now the key word there is know. That's talking about really, like when you meditate, it gets down in you, and you know the truth, that gives you the strength to be able to do the thing that's going to make you free. Most recently, I began meditating on this verse. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And the part that really stuck out to me in my devotion time was, he never, neither faints nor is weary. Because it gave, and it gave such strength to me because the Christmas season, this Christmas time is a time when I can tend to get weary because it's so busy and there's so much to do. But it really, as I read that, you know, it gave me strength. And, um, and for me, let me tell you this. For me, this is the absolutely most busiest time of the year for me. And I know for some, many of you it is as well. And um, I have lots of opportunities to stress and worry. But choosing to obey God to speak this morning was really scary for me because... This past week, if I have to pick out one week of the year that is the busiest for me, it was this past week. I had more to do this week than any other week of the whole year. It's lots that's on my plate. And then I, but I felt like God was saying he wanted me to speak this message. So, okay, God, but you say you neither faint nor weary, and it says your understanding is unsearchable. So that shows me, I was thinking about, see, this is a verse God gave me to meditate, but I would think about, your understanding is unsearchable. So you know, you know what I faced this week, and you know that I can do it if I'll obey you and follow your leading. So I, I, I decided I was going to do that, and, I, and I, this is what I did. 
when I decided to finally, you know, it took a while for you know, God worked on me a little bit. It took me a while, but I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to make the choice and I'm going to look forward to speaking and to trust you. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to look forward to speaking and I'm going to trust God. And when I made that decision, I too, I've never looked more forward to speaking in my life. It's just something supernaturally God did inside of me. And I'm telling you, it was not a once and done decision, okay? Sometimes I had to make it the next day because the fear would try to come on me. But it's a choice I had to make daily. And, but then the Lord really helped me in it too because the Lord gave me a song. This past Wednesday night, the pastor and I sang a song together, Trusting God. And in that song, it had these phrases that are very, it's scripture really. The phrase is like, trusting God. He never fails. I sought the Lord and He heard me and He answered me. And you know, we, of course, if you're going to sing, you're going to sing it over and over to prepare to sing it at church. So we sang this a whole bunch. And you know what that did? It just gave me such joy because this meditation, it, that's what it'll do. It'll just infuse you with strength and it'll keep your mind focused on the Lord. Number three, to help you live in God's presence, we have the discipline of solitude. And this is talking about the time when you get alone with God in prayer. We have to have those times alone with Him just to talk to Him. You know, prayer time, there's lots, little slots involved in prayer. Most of the time we come, we go to God, we have our list of things we're asking God for. And that's, that's scriptural. It says in uh, Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. That word supplication means specific request. So everything by prayer and these specific requests. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we let our requests be made known to Him. In our alone time with Him in prayer, we're praying to Him and asking for His help. And in our alone time with God, we spend time singing and worshiping our God. And that's a, those are good times with the Lord. But then there's also some times, as Psalm 46.10 says, Be still. And know that I am God. Amen. See, those that can be a, that's a time that for me I had left out of my prayer, and it's been difficult for me. It's hard for me to be still and quiet my mind, just to be still and do what? Know that He is God. To be still and think about God and not about yourself. And what, you know, as Christians, we have to daily. Um, Die to ourself, of, die to thoughts of self-importance. Because when you're going to get still and you decide, I want to do this, I'm going to be still and just concentrate on God. Know that He is God. He is all-powerful God. He is sovereign God of the universe. He is so loving. He is so kind. Be thinking those thoughts about our God, but these thoughts will come to you when you make that decision, I'm going to do this. The battle is on in your mind. There are going to be voices that come to you, do try to pull you away, saying you've got important things to do, and you do. There are important things you have to do that only you can do, and that must be done. And those will come to you when you're trying to be still and know that He is God. So, but, so what do you do when you're, you're sitting and you say, okay, I'm going to be still, and I'm going to know that He is God. I'm going to concentrate not on myself. I'm going to concentrate on my, on my God. But thoughts of self come anyway. Thoughts of things that you need, thoughts of well, about your financial difficulties, thoughts about um, needs that you have, uh, just that you need direction, you're worried about some things. All these thoughts come to you. I'm, I'm dealing with this health issue. All these things come to you when you're trying to not think about me. I'm trying to think about God. So we turn those thoughts over to God like we remember when the health thing hits you. You say, oh, God, I thank you that you are my healer. 
You, um, and you think, you can think in your mind about he took those stripes on his back, that he went to the cross, but he rose again. And we, we turn away from us and we think about our God, that he knows everything, he cares about us, he's our Father. See, these are awesome times that will give you strength in your prayer time if we spend some time just thinking about our God. Another thing that will help you, another discipline, discipline number four, is the discipline of daily expecting the presence of God. Each day presents a new opportunity for us to experience our God and fellowship with Him. And it's especially true this time of the year. If you will think about God, take Him with you on your, all through your day, you will be surprised at how much you get done. So much more gets done. He just causes things to go the way they should when we keep our minds on Him, if we'll listen to Him, and He guides us through the day. I remember one morning last week, I was behind schedule doing some things, and I was beginning to feel overwhelmed, and, 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 and the Lord reminded me of a verse I've known forever, and that is Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I got to thinking about that. This is the day the Lord has made. So this day that I'm stressed about, He made this day, and I want to rejoice and be glad in it. So I, that, I decided at that point, I said, okay, okay, Lord, I look forward to spending the day with you, and I look forward to discovering you in my day. And it was a good day. But we had to make that choice. We have to make that choice. So whatever you face, especially the challenging times, that's when we really need to focus on God. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three Hebrew children who were thrown into the fiery furnace. I think that was an especially hard time, don't you? When they had to fade, they're facing that and they're having to go into that. But look what they did, how they experienced God. They walked around in fire with God. What an awesome experience they had in their fire, in that fiery furnace to walk around with God. When you are facing a fiery furnace of your own, we need to walk in that fire with our God. Amen. Walk in that fire with God. And you'll see Him in ways you never dreamed possible. Amen. We need to expect and experience the presence of God every single day. We need to look for Him in the circumstances our day, of our day. Jeremiah 29, 13, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your heart. So search for him during those fiery times. He's there. He has the answer. He'll get you through. Amen. Number five, to live in God's presence, we have the discipline of reverence and godly fear. Reverence and godly fear. This will help you to live in his presence. We have to discipline ourselves that, you know, there is a lack of reverence and the fear of God when we gather together in this place. Because we're not just coming to a service. We're coming to meet with God in a special way. And we need to treat Him with the respect that He deserves that is due Him. It says in, in Hebrews 12, 28, serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We need to cultivate a healthy appreciation of the presence of God in our midst when we meet together. Because you see, when we gather in this sanctuary right here, this becomes a holy place. 
We come here to worship God and encounter His presence in ways that will not happen anywhere else. The things that God wants to do for you in this place, if we have a respect and a fear and an awe of Him, can change you forever and go, stick with you all throughout the, the week. You see, what God wants to do in your life in this place is greatly affected by your attitude. It's so affected by how your attitude and your behavior. I see this attitude so prevalent in our world that we don't need to go to church every Sunday, and especially not Wednesday night. You go say, I'm busy. God knows I'm busy, and um, that's bondage. It's unnecessary. But see, when I see people with that attitude, I know that they've never experienced the presence of God the way they should in this house. Because if you did, you, there's no way you'd want to miss it. You know, there's something wrong if missing church to you is no big deal. I remember when I was a teenager in high school, especially in high school, uh, Sunday was my favorite day of the week. I love Sundays. Sunday morning, especially Sunday nights. We had Sunday night service then. Especially, so that was my favorite service of the whole week, you know, because we had times and well, more times in the altar, it seemed like, then we'd be in God's presence, just awesome times. And for me, Wednesday night as a teenager... I had to have it. It was more, more of a, uh, uh, it's just, I was desperate <laughs> to be there. I just longed for Wednesday nights because, you know, I know what it's like at school. You go through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you run all those worldly things, and, and you're, you're, you're spent, and you need Wednesday night to get you through the rest of the week. And, and I don't know how people do it without Wednesday night. I just don't know. I, you, you just, just, you don't understand what you're missing. <laughs> and, and it's because we, when you get in the presence of God, it does something for you that nothing else can do. Right. It just, it's awesome. It's an awesome thing. Uh, when we gather together to worship God, it, this becomes a holy place. And we don't want to profane this place with irreverent behavior. Now, the Lord has shown me some things that we do that's not pleasing to Him. And as I thought about these things, I think, well, Lord, I mean, I'll look at you. I said, I don't believe there's anybody in this room that would want to offend God with what you do when you come in this place. I don't believe that. I believe that you love the Lord or you would not be here. Or at least to some degree you love the Lord or you would not be here. The Lord has shown me some things, so get ready now because the Lord has stepped on my toes with some of these things and He's going to step on yours. And sometimes we need that. So number one. Walking in late. This is disrespectful to God. Walking in late to the service. Now, I'm going to say this. You may have a flat tire on the way to church. Well, you can't help that. If you have a little one, they may have had an explosion in their diaper on the way to church. and <laughs> You have to take care of that. That's going to make you, okay, things happen. But this, I mean, just God is merciful. He's kind and gracious. What I'm talking about walking in late has to do with an attitude of your heart. You have to guard this time. Well, this service starts 1030. How long have we known that? Years. It starts at 1030. <laughs> you know it. But see, if something is really important to you, you're really excited about, let's say you're really excited to go into the movie, you don't want to be late. You're going to be on time. You don't want to miss the beginning of that movie. Now here we are, and we know that when you get in this place, we're going to enter the presence of God. We want to be on time to be in God's presence. You know, if, if we know it starts at 10.30, and 10.30 comes, and 
We're just out in the foyer talking to our friends. And we just kind of mosey on in here halfway through a song. That is disrespectful to God. You don't have the right mindset. See, I know you don't mean to be you are, you don't you love God. But I've t- I've done it too. We take change our mindset that this is a whole when you walk in there holy place. Cuz in a holy place when the presence of God falls in a mighty way there's nothing like it in this world. Nothing like it. Oh. Okay, ready for the next one? We need to be careful when we come in this place that we don't allow our minds to wander on other things. Let me demonstrate for you. Worship is going. I remember one time I was speaking at a ladies' retreat, and it was the worship time before the service. And so worship time's going. Of course, you know, I'm, 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 I'm worshiping God, worshiping, singing that song, and then I got to singing. I wonder what we're going to eat after service. Arm, no joke. Arms right. I want to read service. And then I caught myself up. No, I'm not going to do that. I had to refocus back on the Lord. So if you've ever been in this service and you're worshiping God, the devil hates it. He doesn't want you. He's going to bring all kinds of things to your mind. It's not a sin that that came to your mind. But what are you going to do with it? You're going to resist that thing. No, I'm going to focus on God. I've had times where I had to refocus multiple times because the devil's just hounding me, hounding me, hounding me to think about this and this problem and blah, blah. No, I'm going to focus on my God because he is worthy. He is holy. We need to have a reverence and awe for our God. Here's another one. Checking your phone during service. Don't do that. Can you not do without your phone for a whole hour? You can. If you can't, you, you need to, you have a problem. Let's just do Mute that thing, turn it off, put it away. You can give God the reverence and honor he deserves for one hour to be in his presence. Enough said on that. Going, here's the last one, going in and out of service. Going in and out. Now, I'm going to say this. God is merciful and he is gracious. If you have a medical condition, you need to, sometimes you have to go out. If there's a problem in the nursery and your kid's number comes up, you've got to go take care of it. You know, I've been sitting on the front row here where that tickle in your throat, where I try not to cough, and I'm just like, weep my tears, you know. And I've had to go out and have a coughing fit for about five minutes. Well, I'm not going to have a coughing fit for five minutes right up here and distract the whole service. But if that just happens... Once, once every five years or something. But, you know, we need to be careful. We don't go in and out of service. It's, it's so disrespectful to the Lord. It distracts other people. You know, we don't, we don't go in and out. We go to a movie theater. You're not going to go out because you don't want to miss anything. Well, don't you want to see everything that happens here? We should, I don't want to miss anything. I'm here. I'm in God's presence. He's going to speak to me today. So we need to discipline ourselves to enter this sanctuary with a reverence and awe, respect, and a fear of God's presence. And if you do that, you're going to encounter him like you never have. Because, listen, if you can't do it here, how can you do it home by yourself that way? If you'll learn to do it here, when you get home, you're more apt to be able to do it, and you're going to experience some things at home that you didn't know were available to you in his presence at home every day. Oh. It's so good. Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore pray. So when you're at home praying, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. 
So when we're alone at home in our solitude, time of solitude with the Lord, we, we hallow him. We see him as holy. Oh, there's some things, there's joys, there's pleasures you have yet to experience. They're so, so good. And then we get to the last discipline, and we do this because we love our God. Discipline is the discipline of obedience. You know, as Christians, we have to daily make the decision that we're going to obey the Scriptures and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to do this. But I tell you what will help you to do that. The key is to remember who you are being obedient to. You are being obedient to God Almighty. And that helps you out. Because, you know, the most unhappy Christians in the world are those that don't obey God because you're not living right. And you know it. And there's something inside that stirs within you that's not good. John 14, 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. Don't you want God to make his home with you? To live in your home? Have his presence there? If you're going to have the presence of God in your life, you need to love him enough to obey him. Because when you do, his presence is there in a mighty note. Remember, God's presence is everywhere. But to feel it and to have it strong, that's something different. When he makes himself known in special ways, awesome. I tell you, living in the presence of God, it's, filled, it's a life that's filled with adventure. It's filled with peace. It's filled with purpose and joy and pleasure. How do you do it? How do you do it? The key is just you think about Him. Include Him in your day, and He'll be there. A good way to do that is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 tells us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if you're doing this, you're rejoicing about things, rejoice every chance you get, and you pray about everything, and you give thanks about all things. Thank you, Lord, that you, you turned that light green right when I need it. Thank you, Lord, you kept me from that wreck. Thank you, Lord, look, I just found this at the perfect price. Oh, thank you, God. Find that your, your mind is on the Lord. His presence will be with you. And you should know when he's going to manifest himself in such an awesome way to you. Okay, I, take, I think that the Christmas season is the very best time to renew your commitment to him, to have a renewed commitment that you want to live every day in his presence. Matthew one twenty three, speaking about Jesus, says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Jesus came to be with us. He is here. Let's learn to be aware of him. I tell you, the best Christmas you ever have is one where the presence of God is in your home. You still do the special foods. Oh, we love those. We have our gifts that we give. But if you do those things with the presence of God in your home, invite him to be there. Everything is just so much better. The last verse, Revelations 3.20. Jesus is speaking here to you. As I read this, Jesus is speaking this just to you, and you need to receive it that way. Get ready. This is what Jesus is saying. 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone that you hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. What an invitation. He's ready. He's waiting on you to invite him in to be a part of your everyday life. Stand with me.